Jacques Benoche from the English Passion. You must remember that film they did on this podcast last week, eh? Well, to this week, we got a big film for you. It's going to be the English classic, Defer Monty. Perhaps you will see some penis in this movie. I don't know. I have not seen it. So, get ready for the podcast called For Screen and Country. I'm Juliette Benoche. I am French. Oh, wonderful. Miss Benoche, everyone. Academy Award winner, Juliette Benoche. And French-Canadian, French-Canadian actress, uh, uh, raconteur. Um, yeah. She sounds a bit rough, though. 20 years has been rough on her. English patient. Yeah. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. It was a very long movie. Uh, <laughs> she lost her voice over the course of filming, yeah, and it yeah. just stuck. It just stayed that way. Yeah, she sounded a little bit like Jean Chrétien, the former Prime Minister of Canada. I mean, we should look into that. It might be... It might be we might have been uh, the victims of a ruse. It may have been... Jason, Brendan, we talked about the English Patient last time. We did. It was a very long movie. It was a very long movie that we were like not over the hill about. No, uh, we it thought fine. it was competently made, but yeah, yeah. very dramatic, very yes. romantic, very, very cold. Yeah. In fact, I would argue the last first three movies we've done are all very cold. Not a lot of warmth. No. But however, it's going to be a whole change of pace today because we are talking about the full. Monty. But before we talk about the full Monty, Jason. Brandon. We should talk about, uh, you know, we should read some comments, some concerns, some questions, some inquiries about last week's film, The English Patient. The English Patient. Starring Ray Fiennes and Juliet Bonaire. We can never get away from this movie, no matter what we do. Nope, we're going to do comments on it every single week. <laughs> <laughs> so last week, of course, we talked about The English Patient. It was mm-hmm. not uh, a particular little favorite of ours. Nope. Um, so here, I want to read two comments that we received that are pretty much polar opposites of each other, just to get an idea. Because this movie, uh, when, I, when, I put, when I put the word out for comments, it was very... Uh, very, very polarizing. Divisive, you might even Divisive, say. Divisive, yes. That's a good yes. one. Polar bearizing. <laughs> um, so first one is from Katrina Martin, and she says, I hated this movie. I thought it was because of my mood and the person that I, the person I was with when I saw it the first time, so I saw it two more times under different circumstances because people loved it. I still hated it. Good God, you got to respect that commitment. <laughs> On the opposite side of the coin, though, we have Debbie... Uh, now, I apologize. Lebiter? Lebiter. 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 Yeah. Debbie L says, uh, one of my favorite films. I don't know how many times I don't know how many times I've watched it. I find watching it uh very emotionally cathartic. I'm glad somebody loves it that much. That's cool. I'm glad that that does that for you because it does not for me. I have to agree with Katrina. <laughs> and that's not just because that's my yeah. girlfriend's name. Sorry, I should say my fiance's name. Oh, <laughs> So, what do we got next, Jason? All right, well, here's someone who thought they would hate the movie, but didn't. I don't know how that's possible, Brendan, but they, but that's what happened. You know, I thought I would hate this movie, but I really enjoyed it. Admittedly, it's been several years since I've seen it. Is it so good that I'd give it all the Oscars, let alone Best Picture, over, say, Fargo? No, not really. But as far as lavish period romances go, it's actually quite lovely. Not a great film, but hardly the least offensive awards bait out there. And that was Holden Martinson. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I, I'm not offended by this movie. It's just, I, I'm just bored as fuck by it. Yeah, I mean, we had lots to say about the content of the movie. There was, I think there was a lot going on yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, a very, it was definitely like, a, it's definitely more of an appreciate than a like. Yeah. Um, but still, there's some still some problems in it. I think yeah. we definitely said, here's a hot take. 
Uh, I can't wait for you to hear this. So, this is from Carrie Pruitt, and she says, I honestly love this movie, have rewatched it a bunch, even like it better than Fargo, <laughs> and I acknowledge Fargo as an American classic, so it's not like she hates Fargo. No. I also think there are legitimate issues to have... But most of the common ones given for hating it, it's slow, it's depressing, it's all about an adulterous love story, are not ones I agree with. Yeah. So she said there's issues, but not the ones that everybody kind of talks about. I don't dislike this movie because it's depressing, or I don't dislike this movie because it's an adulterous love story. He I, has a I, feud with Juliette Binoche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my long-standing anti-Quebecois position means I can't accept any actress from that place. Or portraying a person from that place. I love Quebecois film, except Claude Jutra. You know what you did, Claude Jutra? We all know what you did. Get at on Twitter. All right, what do we got next? Uh, okay, so maybe where the hate comes from. This might be this one where the hate comes. <laughs> I like from. you just read my note. I don't verbatim. I'm like Ron Burgundy. You just put it in front of me, and I'll read it. So this, so this is a comment that maybe tells us where some of the hate comes from for this uh, movie. This person who is uh, identified as Travis Frazier Burgess. That's mm-hmm. what they go by. I don't know that that's the real name, but that's their handle. It's a long handle. <laughs> it's a trucker handle. It's a very long trucker handle. Uh, A lot of the hate, I think, comes from the positioning of this movie during the awards season. The English Patient was the first time Harvey Weinstein first tried to active first tried actively marketing a film as a quote awards contender true enough the first time he made it sound like an honor like honor the film honor the time period and uh the time when he forever changed the game in terms of the oscar season it's why there is such a thing as oscar bait with that marketing the backlash started and ended up being in a weird position where it was too arty for general audiences see elaine bennis we all remember that episode of seinfeld but too maudlin for the art snobs having seen it uh, this year i can say that i wouldn't call it a masterpiece and it definitely isn't better than fargo secrets and lies breaking the waves or jerry Maguire, but it's still a fine film nonetheless I agree that this is a technically proficient film. It fits the definition of a film. It runs at 24 frames a second. It is on uh, film stock. Uh, it was edited by a competent editor. So, you know what? It is a it is a well-made film. Wow. There you go. I'm going all out. I'm sticking that my was, neck out there. That that sounds like that sounds like it could be like one of those like positive reviews on the cover of a DVD. <laughs> it runs at 24 frames a second. Jason McCloud <laughs> for Screen and Country. Yeah. Sean William Scott? No, Sean Williams Holt. Sean Williams Holt. Uh, says it's one of the last vestiges of 80s and 90s period dramas that the older voters of the Academy loved. In the same vein as Out of Africa and Gandhi, which we'll do some at some point on the show, uh, it's beautiful, well-acted, and boasts a beautiful score. But it hasn't aged well, and it really wasn't that great to begin with. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Got a couple more of those. And a lot of those voters are dead now, one would have to assume. One would have to assume the kind of voters that would have voted for this movie in, you know, the 90s would one have been does probably not in their 70s or 80s. One does not simply vote for the English patient and be a 30-year-old man. That's true. That's very true. That's I say that multiple times a day. Uh, our next comment comes from James Mirabello. It's a good name. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I admired its epic grandeur, its wonderful acting, and its great score. But especially the cinematography. That opening shot of the desert is one of the most stunning opening shots I've ever seen. But I admit I'm biased. Lawrence of Arabia is my favorite film. I guess I'm just biased toward desert movies. But all that said, I don't think it deserves to be a, on a best list. It's not good enough for that. But it's a solid, well-done movie. I like, uh, I like to, th- I read that at first and I just, I wanted to say, I laughed for a good minute because I thought he said, I guess I'm just biased towards dessert movies. 
<laughs> so like it was a real struggle for me. Was Food Fight a good movie? Was it was was it just my bias for dessert movies? That's right. Okay, the la- last comment from Facebook here, and then we'll just run through some quick Twitter comments. This is pretty interesting, actually. It was exciting at first because my parents were letting me watch an R-rated movie. I think I was 12 or 13 when I came Oh, out. you poor kid. When I realized how boring it was, it made me wonder if my parents let me watch it specifically so I'd completely tune out all R-rated movies as boring. The only part that stuck in my mind was the scene of full frontal female nudity. Yep. I haven't watched it since. I wonder if my mind will come around to it now that I've matured. And that's from Robert James Cole. Bobby, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think you're going to come around on this one. But I feel you. Uh, I'm lucky. My first R-rated movie, Brendan, was uh, Braveheart. So that was a good one to start with. I honestly don't. I honestly couldn't even tell you what mine is. It might have been Return of the Living Dead. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was, I, I didn't make it all the way through, though. You were You were a fucking film hipster even at that age. Return of the Living Dead is a hipster movie? Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a, it's not a mainstream success, that's for sure. I mean, people love it, but it's not like that movie hit the theaters and made $100 million in the 80s. Well, I think someone, whoever I, like, whoever, wherever I was, someone just had it on VHS. Well, and and I, it's a great movie to watch. And I was like, great movie. I was like, ooh, zombies. And then I was like, uh, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> it was terrifying. Uh, I'm just going to read through some quick Twitter comments here. Right. So this is from Amanda's Pick Show, a go-go, at Amanda's Pick Show. She says, I really like the film. It's epic and has an old Hollywood feel about it. Uh, extreme sports expert Jerrica Lane says, uh, absolutely love it. Uh, at Heisenberg Pod says, this is interesting. I found it deeply moving on initial watch. When I wa- when I watched it again years later, though, I found it deeply boring and manipulative. Wait, is Heisenberg Pod a Breaking Bad podcast? I <laughs> cannot deny. Cannot confirm or deny. Well, if that's the case, then I can see why they would find it boring. Because it's just interesting. They found it deeply moving when they first watched it, yeah. and then boring later. I would think it would be the opposite. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Some movies do that, though. I mean, movies that you you see at a certain age at a certain time, and the time and the place is such that it really resonates with you, and then you go back to it when you're older, and you're just like, "Wow, what yeah. did I ever see in this thing?" True. It just it's a movie that seems to have the stereotype of working better with older crowds. That's why I'm just surprised at yeah. that. Uh, so uh, at H11 Karen says I found it manipulative and boring on my first watch when I was in my late 20s or early 30s I'm a big sook and I cry at the drop of a hat so I can't quite explain my reaction to the English patient no Uh, that's a legit reaction (laughs) here we go Uh, this is my favorite one from uh, at Michael Bagford says I prefer sack lunch I don't, I don't get that joke. Seinfeld. Oh, that was Julius, the other movie the one that, that Elaine wants to go see, yeah. <laughs> okay, good joke, good joke. I, it's been a while since I've seen that That's episode. the joke. The only the only fake Seinfeld movie I remember is Rochelle, Rochelle, but that was like a, that was a plot of a whole episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, there's something <laughs> real quick that we forgot to do last time. So we, we well, I want to do this thing where we're comparing the, uh, the number on the BFI to the movie that falls with the same number on the AFI, the okay. American Film Institute. So last time we did Zulu, and yeah. which is 31 on yeah. the BFI. Uh, on 31 on the AFI is the Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. So which one would you say you prefer? Uh, that's a that's a tough one because I haven't actually seen the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> so uh, Zulu wins. No, wait, well, I mean, I love Humphrey Ogre. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I saw it. That was actually on TV the other day and I should have watched it. But instead I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So there that, you go. That's, 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 that's me in a bit. That's, that speaks volumes. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure Michael Caine would have been great in the Maltese Falcon and I'm sure Humphrey Bogart would have done well in Zulu. Um, I have seen both and I'm going to give it to Maltese Falcon. Yeah. That's it? That's it? That's yep. all you have to say? Well, uh, we're running out of time here. <laughs> uh, okay, and then this one, uh, English Patient is number 55, mm-hmm. and on the AFI is Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest. There's no comparison. North by Northwest is a fucking great movie. It, it holds up to this day, and that if you haven't seen it, you should watch immediately, because it's really, really good. Cary Grant is so good in that movie. It is so far ahead of the English Patient as far as quality that I don't even... They shouldn't even be in the same Facebook message, let alone... <laughs> 
compared on lists with each other. That's ridiculous, Brent. That's ridiculous, and I think you're a stupid person for even suggesting that. Um, I've never seen North by Northwest, so I'm going to say no contest. Fair enough. <laughs> you should watch it now. As soon as we're done here, go watch North by Northwest. It's a great movie. Uh, can't make that promise. But, Jason... We talked about... Uh, we oh, talk- oh, oh, before we get going, I want to point out, too, that both English Patient, number 55 on the BFI list, and North by Northwest, number 55 on the AFI list, both prominently feature a biplane. There you go. There you go. Mystery solved. <laughs> and the number 55 kind of looks like a biplane. No, it doesn't. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we've talked about uh, the English Patient uh, for the last time, goddammit. Thank fuck. We... Uh, Let's uh, let's talk about the full Monty. The Full Monty. So we've gone from 1964 mm-hmm. to 19, or sorry, 1965, I believe, to yeah. 1964. Yep. You know what? Look it up and tell me I'm wrong. Uh, to 1996. Jump ahead 30 years. To 1997. Jump ahead a year. So we. That's interesting. We. Well, it, it it actually turns out that British movies were only made in the 1960s and 1990s. Oh, weirdly enough. Uh, I mean, as far as we know. <laughs> yeah. As far as we know, at this only point, four British movies. And throughout the course of this episode, we're going to find out where the Full Monty falls on this list. All right. Um, but, I mean, officially, we should note, uh, right away, I thought, holy crap, this is really high on the list. Uh, just just because I didn't have, like, a really good recall of this movie, but the Full Monty is number 25 on the yeah. BFI Top 100 British Films of All Time Jason, what do we do on this show? We talk about that list, don't we? We do. We, we talk, talk about, about movies. And we, we talk about the, the movies on the BFI, the British Film Institute, top 100 British films of all time. We break each one down. So you don't have to watch them, although you're absolutely welcome to, because they're most of them are pretty good, as we understand, but we don't know for sure, because we only know three so far, with a fourth coming today. <gasps> today? Today. Well, Jason, why don't you tell us what the full Monty is all about? Well, the full Monty is a film. Great. So see you later. So (laughs) (laughs) did I do that same joke last week? I may have. (laughs) We'll do it every single week. All right. So the full Monty is a film that was quite popular in 1997. If you remember, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture that year, right alongside Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't win. No. But uh, putting up a good fight. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this movie. What is this movie? What is it? This is a movie that is set. In Sheffield, in England, in 1997, the mills have closed. The steel industry is pretty much gone. So is the coal industry. So you have a town with a lot of young men that are unemployed. Now... Are you William Shatner? I could be. (laughs) You don't say... I don't say sabotage. I say sabotage. You say sabotage. Uh... So, it is the present day of 1997, Brendan, and our heroes are two gentlemen named Gaz and Dave, played 
by Robert Carlyle, whom you might remember as Hitler in the TV movie Hitler, The Rise of Evil. Also and, another movie on this list uh, yeah. coming up at some point, Trainspotting. Yeah, also in Trainspotting. Um, and 28 Weeks Later, yep. and that movie with Sam Jackson that wasn't very good, Formula 51. That one, yes, the 51st State <laughs> yeah, they renamed the US. It, sorry. Um, <laughs> and then Dave... Played by Mark Addy. Whom from... we know from Game of Thrones, who plays King Robert Baratheon. Who most people know from Game of Thrones, because I've still never watched it. Well, it's a great show, Brendan. You should check it out. But we're not talking about TV, Brendan. Even though HBO is more than TV, we're talking about movies, which movies. HBO also airs. British movies. British movies. And in this movie, Gaz and Dave, again, played by Robert Carlyle and, and uh, Mark Addy, uh, Robert res- Baratheon. <laughs> respectively. <laughs> respectively. Uh, are down on their luck. They're, they're the sort of bogans, uh, if that term applies, or, or they're sort of, you know, lower class fellas. They had a job at the steel mill, and now they don't. So they got to earn, Brendan. You know how they earn? They go rob the old steel mills they used to work for. With Gaz's uh, son. He's got to be, what, 10? He's about, he's probably about 10, 10, 10 to 12. 11, yeah. Um, but Gaz, Gaz's son is with them, basically helping them <laughs> steal, steal, steal. Steal, steal, scrap. And um, we should note too that, uh, that he is also his uh, his girlfriend, or is it his ex-wife? It's his ex-wife. His right? ex-wife. Yes. Okay, because he, he's no longer with his wife. They're kind of fighting. They're they're kind of not fighting for custody, but it's it's a thing that's happening. His wife has a new man, mm-hmm. so that's happening all at the same time. So yes, they're trying to so, rob steel. So one might argue that dragging your son that you're having custody issues with along on a heist to steal scrap metal from a, an abandoned mill might not be a good plan and it's only the first of many problematic incidents with this child in this movie yes. but we will get to those <laughs> yes that's that is one thing i have noted several times so they're stealing scrap out of this old abandoned mill and bringing nathan along with it nathan is the son uh so they they go they try to steal some scrap they drag it out but nathan is 10 and for whatever reason they decide he's the guy that has to lug it across off the car in the canal and what happens the steel falls into the water so what yes. do you ex- thanks nathan for being a child. <laughs> Jesus. So, so they're walking home in failure after not getting their steel and our heroes spy a poster on a nearby at a nearby cabaret. Mm-hmm. And the poster is advertising a Chippendale show. And uh, they kind of mock it at first, especially Gaz, mocking the very idea. Well, and he uses the word Poof. Yes. Very uh, liberally. Liberally. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if you look that up, it's slang for homosexuals. It's pretty much the same as the other F word. Yeah. It's uh, but not referring to a cigarette. Although, I mean, we'll get in, we'll get into it. But I think. Anyway, I'll save it. I'll save it for when we actually. There, there's get a lot of weird it. gay jokes in this movie. Many of which were hard to parse because of their accents. Is there. Is, but they're done in a certain way that yeah. I feel like it's different if an yeah. American movie. We'll get there. It. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So for some reason. Uh, so they, they, they see this sign, they mock it for a bit, but then for some reason Gaz gets it in his head that this is actually, this isn't a bad idea, that he could easily take his clothes off for money. That's something he could probably do. Mm. And he figures that a bunch of horny Sheffield housewives will be willing to pay 10 pounds a head to, to see him and his ugly-ass friends take their clothes off in public. Right now, just him and Dave. Or just him and Dave at yeah. this point. I mean, yeah. you know, they're the guys. Look at them. I mean, we got skinny Robert Carlyle and chubby Mark Addy. What, yeah. do we, what do we got here? We don't got much. So, at this point, we go on a classic movie journey of, of, of figuring out where these characters, or who these characters are that are going to be in the movie, and, uh, and finding them. We got to find uh, uh, strippers to go along with Gaz and Dave in yes. this ridiculous scheme. So, they're out on a walk, and we find our first 
addition to the party, and that's Lomper. He's a red-headed guy. He's de- he's having a real tough time he's, when they find him oh because he's in his car trying to kill himself. Yes, and it leads to one of one of not my favorite, but one of the funniest but darkest scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's trying to kill himself, but he can't get the car started. So Mark <laughs> Addy comes over, not no, not realizing, not seeing the tube, not entering into his head at all, not seeing the tube in the window, possibly trying to asphyxiate himself. He's like, "Oh, you just gotta fix that little thing on your engine there." And then he walks away, and then does like a cartoonish like stop. Turn around, run back, saves him, realizing he was trying to commit suicide. Lomper calls him a bastard, and he throws him back in the car. <laughs> One of the best parts. It was very good. It was I love very it. funny. I love it. <laughs> but he saves his life, and that is enough for Lomper to feel like that, that he could be part of their group. They, they're mates now. They're mates. They've, they've been through death and life together. So they got him now. Now we, we go to a scene where they're at the uh, unemployment office uh, where you would go to get information, use computers, 1997 era computers running Windows 95 I assume uh, to go find a, a job. Actually to be fair, I believe when Gerald is using the computer it looked like he's using some sort of DOS word processor possibly WordStar, I don't know. Gerald played by Tom Wilkinson. Played by Tom Wilkinson who has been in every fucking movie ever made. You Tom- don't know it but he was, he was Carmine Falcone? Yes, in, in Batman, Batman Begins. Begins. And I think yeah. he briefly appears in The Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, because I, I knew I recognized him. I looked him up and I was like, oh yeah, that guy. I've seen him in so many fucking movies. He's, he's also amazing. In, he's also in The Avengers, the one that's... Oh wait, no, that's Jim Broadbent. I always confuse <laughs> those two. Those are very different actors. No, I know, but I don't know why. Tom Wilkinson and Jim Broadbent. Just... All white guys don't look the same, Brendan. <laughs> I have white guy face blindness. Yes, you do. <laughs> So, so Tom Wilkinson plays Gerald. Now, Gerald was their former foreman mm-hmm. at the uh, at former the mill. Foreman. So they've got a yeah former foreman. <laughs> so they've got a bit of an antagonistic relationship initially, to the point where they end up almost getting into a physical fight inside the the job bank. But for some reason, uh, they pursue him because they want somebody else in their group, and so they follow him to uh, a dance class with his wife. Now, do they know his? Yeah, they know that he doesn't have a job. His wife, however... Okay, yeah, so this is... Yeah, exactly. So this is the thing. So when they go to the dance class, they're not expecting to see him there. Mm -hmm. His wife uh, does not know that he's been laid off. He's been laid off for six months. Six months. And he's so ashamed of this fact that he's not told his wife. And I want to just... I know we're going to deep dive into the movie after we get through the plot, but I just want to say right now that every character has a very rich background. Mm Mm-hmm. Every character. Yeah, Almost every character. They've all there's, got stuff going there's on. There's a couple that are like a little less than others. But mm-hmm. like Tom Wilkinson has a... It, you can make a whole movie about his character. Yeah. Like, but yeah, but yeah, anyway, go on. Surely should, there has been a movie made about a character like that. Yes. So they basically stalk him uh, and follow him there and, and convince him to join their group. Uh, did they blackmail him with that information? Here's the thing. I don't think they actively blackmail him. But what happens is they go to the dance thing. Uh, his wife sees them. She mentions something about, oh, are these your buddies from work? So they know right away, ah, he's telling his wife that he still works. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, see you at work, Gerald. Very, like, half-jokingly, wink-wink, nudge-nudge, wiggle-wiggle. But then he he tells them, like, listen, I've got a real job interview. Don't, don't, 
like I'm gonna go get my job because I'm, pu- I'm pulling in a favor and it's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. They do sabotage his job interview. They do, yeah. They uh, they, they they steal his. Is, is that when they steal his uh, gnomes? They steal his gnomes and they're doing some kind of like weird puppet show behind uh, where the guy is interviewing him and, and distracting gets, him and, and doing the old comedy bit of like he sees it and then the guy sees him looking and then turns around and they're gone. Like, which which I've always questioned because I'm like, why don't you just go? Hold the phone, guy that's interviewing me. There's some freaking weird weird guys with gnomes right behind you in the window. Just want to say, it's not me. And then the guy turns around and there's nothing there. And he's yeah. like, what? Like, just stop and explain the situation. <laughs> or, you know what? You Send somebody gnomes. out there. Send somebody outside to see. You know what? You see the gnomes once. Great. Yeah. It's distracting. Second time, focus on the interview. That's right. Just ignore them. <laughs> yeah. It I is... mean, because it's like, what, do you, what? what is going to be lost by ignoring them? And I mean, I know this is a comedy, yeah. and I know it's a mainstream comedy, but it's it, it's just it's just something you look at and you're like, this would never happen it's in like, real life. Surely Gerald is, is more secure as a person that he could just ignore that and get the interview done. I mean, the guy's been working in a factory. He's all right. Right. He's like so disturbed by these gnomes yeah. outside the window. So after this job interview goes to shit because he is distracted, he for whatever reason, out. he then decides that he's going to join up with them. But he freaks out at first. But he freaks he's, out at first. Absolutely. He's furious. Furious. Yeah. But then, but then they manage to calm him down. Yeah. And get him in. Because he knows a little about dance, so yeah. they think maybe he'll teach them a thing or That's two. That's right. He's got some skills that they don't have. And they get, they hold, and I think, is this the point where they hold some auditions? Yeah, well, because that's the thing. Now we have our core four. We have Lompert, we have Gerald, yes. we have Gaz, we have Dave. We right. are our four core. But you can't only have four people when you're doing a strip show. No. The law says you need to have six. So, <laughs> British begin, law. British, British law says, British now Commonwealth that's, law says you need six males to a strip show. We overrode that law here in Canada many years ago, but that is still the rule in Britain. So, they have to find two more people. <laughs> that's why we split from Britain. That's why we, yeah, exactly. That's why we got our own country because, in 1867. Because we were like, hold on, hold the phone, Britain. We're Six like, people to a strip show? Are you kidding that's me? That's ridiculous. You need to have you need to have as many as you want or as little as you want. We are now our own country. That is the freedom that we demand from the and crown. And we poured the tea into the river. That's right. Wait, Fuck them. I might be mixing up stories. I don't know. I'll have to go back and check Wikipedia. <laughs> so we got our core boys now, but they need a few, few more good men. So, yeah. in an abandoned mill where they aren't supposed to be, the boys hold auditions to fill their ranks. So The first guy's an uncomfortable old man yeah. who doesn't get hired because he doesn't barely wants hired. to take his clothes off. No. Uh, then his horse? Horse shows up. A, a black gentleman. African black gentleman. gentleman. Uh, he's a very good dancer. Um, I don't know that old his... Old-timey dancer. He's a very old-timey dancer, but he can dance. And he's middle-aged. Is, he's middle-aged, and yeah. he's, he's into the idea of it, you know? Yeah. He seems really into it. Um, I don't know if Horse references his manhood. I'm sure they make a few jokes about that. I'm 100% sure it does because they make it, they even make a joke about it later. Yeah. But then, but then, so, so Horse is in. Yeah. Guy can dance. But then we get another guy. <laughs> guy. Guy. Yes. Yeah. Now, Guy also has a huge wang, or at least is specifically said to. My favorite audition. Yeah. Because he says, I could do the wall run from... <laughs> From singing, singing in the rain. The rain. <laughs> Not only what's great is that in a, in a normal in American movie you'd see the stunt guy do it and fall. Yeah. In this one, you see him run. You cut away. Cut away to their reaction. You, you hear the crash. You cut back, and he's in a, just a pile on the floor. <laughs> like it's 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 British. It's comedy. like he slammed right into the wall. It, it's complete like British. Yeah. A way to do it. It's you know a very I mean? funny way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, but but horse and guy get hired. They get hired. Guy guy oh. is super ripped too. He's he's gonna be like their their um, their main I guess uh, projecting image because oh, he's got yeah. muscle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, and then we have some training. We gotta have some training. So we have some scenes of them dancing the sexy thing by Hot Chocolate. You sexy thing. We heard it earlier. We did hear it earlier. We're gonna probably hear it again in the course of this movie. It is iconically, at least in my mind, associated with this film. I don't remember if it was in the trailer originally, but that's where I know this song from, is this movie. It's it's the music. It's the song I associate with any movie involving strippers yeah. or a strip club. Like, yeah. if you don't have it in a, in a comedy mm-hmm. about stripping or, stri- or a strip club... Now, I mean, your movie was made before 1995 then. Now, Brendan, you've watched a lot of movies. Uh, I have watched Probably a watched films. a number of movies about strippers. Uh, I've in... watched at least two showgirls and striptease. You've, have you not seen Magic Mike? The first one. Okay, Did was You Sexy Thing in Magic Mike? I don't think so, but it's okay. been a while. It should have been. Uh, also, it's interesting, I love the idea that the American stripper movie, I don't know what the premise of that one is. Is it similar to this at all? Magic Mike? Yeah. No, they're already strippers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that explains why they're all, like, super good looking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. no, no. These guys are, like, ready right. for the world of stripping. But we've got real British men right here for you guys. So keep listening. <laughs> Stay tuned. Don't don't tune out during our, so, during our ad breaks. Here's a little side thought I have to mention while I have it in my head. Have you noticed that at any point they're practicing during the movie, they're practicing to different songs? Yeah. And then just to skip ahead a bit, at the end of the well, movie, they, they, they dance to a specific song and they dance to one number. I get why they did that. I mean, it would be pretty boring if the whole movie was just to listen that, to that same song. song yeah. yeah, over and over again. I get why they play a different song every time. It would make more sense maybe if it was done... I don't know the word for it, but Martin Scorsese does this all the times in his movies. When he has songs playing in the background, it's oftentimes coming from a stereo in the scene. And this is what it is. A lot of times the sound is coming from the stereo that the kid is playing for them while they're doing their dress rehearsal. Diagenic or diegetic I think it's diegetic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Diegetic. Um, correct us if we're wrong. I know it's diegetic, and then there's another word for the opposite. Yeah. But and anyway, it's it's uh, like if it would if it was not done that way, if it was just playing over the montage, yeah. I would be more accepting of yeah. it, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, we also have to point out too. Uh, so throughout this entire stripping endeavor, throughout our history, throughout our history, throughout this entire stripping endeavor, Nathan, his ten to twelve year old son, has been present. Now, yes, I know my dad. You do? I do. He's, oh, a, he's a good guy. Good. But the last thing in the world I want to see is my dad dancing in just about any form, let alone dancing in a way that I knew that he would be eventually taking his clothes off. Yes. That's the last thing I want to see. But Nathan, bless his heart, seems very able to like handle all this and not think of it as too weird or too gross, mm. um, which I don't know if that says a lot about him. Maybe he's super mature or that he's just extra weird. But he handles this with the grace that a child shouldn't have. Whereas his father is completely fucking insane for bringing him along to this. I mean, I don't think we're supposed to think Gaz, or I guess Gary is his real name. I don't Mm. think we're supposed to think Gaz is a a great father. No, clearly. But I think... He does love his son. He loves his son. I think he's trying. He's trying. He and wants to include he, him. He doesn't understand that certain things... Like, they, they ad- the movie addresses that. Because, I mean, early on, we talked about the, the audition scene. Mm. The first auditioner has kids yeah. waiting outside. And he <laughs> said, oh, bring them in, bring them in, that's fine. Like, you know, they don't have to wait outside. And he says, no, a child should never be at one of these things. Yeah. And then you see, and then it actually cuts to cuts Nathan. To Nathan. <laughs> so it's like, the movie is not is aware of this. It's not just like, you know, a problematic thing they're like shoving under the rug. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So they did do some practice. Uh, they're starting to get their get their thang on. You know, they're starting to feel it. They're starting to get going. Yeah. But they need to book a venue too. And the guy that runs the cabaret where where they're going to strip uh, wants a hundred pounds mm. to book this thing. And Gaz doesn't have a hundred pounds. He doesn't have 
two fucking penny farthings to rub together. He barely weighs a hundred pounds. That's right. He's a tiny guy. So, but again, Nathan, the sweet boy that he is, is willing to put up his own birthday money and savings of a hundred pounds to give to his dad so that his dad can book a bar so that his dad can show his dick off to the ladies of the town. Which can I say about this scene, since we're talking about it right now, I was going to save it for later, but I'll yeah. talk about this right now. Because I, what I really like about this part is... At first, he asks his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. He says, listen, I'm going to pay you all the money I owe for the joint custody. Just need a little investment just, up front. Just need a little bit to get this alcohol. Because he's, he's confident in his head. He's, yeah. I don't know if he's trying to convince her or himself. Yeah, probably both. But he's willing to do it. But then when his son is like, I'll give up the money, you can tell he does not want that to happen no. because he's not that level of confident. Yeah. Like, he's confident enough to ask his ex-wife and potentially fuck that up because yeah. Lord knows he's fucked up enough stuff with her but yeah. in the past. But when it comes to his son, he's more hesitant. And I think that's like a, that's like a endearing quality to him. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it demonstrates his humanity because I don't think any parent legitimately wants to ask their kid for money. No. Like, like that seems like such a, like such a pride killing, like I'm the dad, you know, I'm not supposed to ask my child for money and this, and the kid's like 11. So yeah, and that's extra scumbaggy if you're like, Hey, my 11 year old son, give me your fucking money so I can book a strip club. And I think it speaks to Robert Carlyle's acting too, yeah. is because you can see on his face when the son is like, no, no, I'm doing it because I believe you. And he's like, Oh, why would you want to believe me? He's like, because you're my, because you're my dad and I I believe in you and the look on his face is just it's fantastic acting because he does it all without words yeah and yeah it's just and it's why that uh, he ended up bringing such a sympathy to Adolf Hitler in that TV movie <laughs> I'm lying he was he was very terrible but but in a good way oh wait so he was good in the role but the but Hitler was terrible yeah okay okay is that the one that keeps getting like memed with that different dialogue. No, that is actually called Downfall. Okay. That's with Bruno Ganz, I believe. Okay, I was going to say. I was going to say that's some fine German. Film yeah, no, I, I assure Carlyle. you, Robert Carlyle, as far as I know, doesn't speak German. So, but he does in that movie uh, a little bit, but it's mostly in English. Of course, <laughs> we can't. We can't be sitting there reading subtitles. Who are we, Quentin Tarantino? All right, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> so, uh. So Gaz has it set, and they're putting up posters when a few ladies pass by them to inquire what's going on, and he happily explains to them that they're doing a strip show. Mm-hmm. And the ladies uh, say something along the lines of, Oh, why, why would we go to see you and we compare to see the Chippendales? And he's like, Well, you're going to see the Full Monte. And we hear it. I don't know why I made him Scottish there. I think he actually is Scottish, but the Full Monte. Basically, and he's saying you're going to see their dick and balls. You're going to see dick and balls, which isn't usually something you see. Uh, fun fact is at this time at the time of this release I'll get more into this later the full the full Monty and I'm making air quotes was not a thing that was known at the time like that was a term that no one knew what it meant so when this movie came out there was a a a vigorous ad campaign kind of explaining what that whole thing meant because people yeah people had no idea because over here we assumed that that was just like a slang term for that in Britain it was well known over there and it's like oh well we get it because we you know yeah keep in mind this is 1997 yeah. right this is like a not it's, it's a British British slang yeah so yeah this scene uh, they say the title of the movie um it's 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 a good it's a good example of saying the title though I think and, it's and like, do, doing it in a way that makes sense and it yeah. wasn't like Robert Carlyle turned to the camera and winked you know <laughs> this has truly been the, the full, full Monty, Monty. <laughs> the fullest of Montes the Englishest of patients but yeah so so the doctorist of Zhivago so it's like you pay us ten pounds we may not have muscles but you get to see our cocks 
Right. So, obviously, the ladies of the town are super interested in that. Uh, but the tickets aren't selling yet. Uh, no. So, once this is established, once Robert Carlyle, Gaz, establishes that they are doing the full Monty, this sets off Dave, because Dave has body image issues. And this is one of the many, like, issues, quote-unquote, that is sprinkled throughout this movie. Because this, movie, this is an Oscar-nominated film, This Brandon. movie covers a lot, yeah. honestly, though. It's very light. Yeah. But the fact that it addresses them at all is is more than you would expect of your average comedy. So mm-hmm. Dave definitely has body issues. He's a, he's a chubby guy. Mark Addy is a bit hairy. He's a bit chubby. Um, he has body issues and he might have impotency issues might, Yeah, there, there's some reference to him not being able to get it there's up. There's a sex scene where, yeah, he kind of, like, he kind of, he initiates it and then he kind of rolls off and yeah. it's like, okay, that might be a body issue, but it also feels like an impotency thing. He realizes he's pushing rope. <laughs> yes. Pushing rope. All, All night long, long. pushing rope. rope. I'm, I'm working, working so hard. A uh, hundred dollars right there. We better save Dave Wilcox a check, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you knew who that was. <laughs> oh, I love that song. If I was a gay stripper, Brendan, Land Pipe would be my song. If you were a gay stripper? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, it'd be hard to be a straight stripper and have Land Pipe. Come on. <laughs> so Gaz is unhappy about Dave not wanting to do it because Dave's like, that's it, I'm out. I'm, and he goes and gets a job at a, an Asda? At like a essentially like a British Walmart, which is a place he robbed earlier. Yeah, and he robbed it earlier, but now now they're <laughs> to get a tape of Flashdance, which yeah. I'm going to save it for later because I have a good, I have yeah. a clip from that that I love. We'll get to um, that. But yeah, though no, he works as security guard now as at that ASDA, which is like a, I guess it's like a uh, just kind of like a Walmart. Yeah, it's a department store. It's like a Walmart. It's a, yeah, he gets a security job. But but Gaz soldiers on, and so they decide they need to give a public rehearsal to what I believe are Horses family members. It's just Horses family. There's like yeah. four. It's, it's, it's like his mom African- and like his sisters and grandma. Yeah, it's like four African American ladies. Yeah, and I gotta say right now, I gotta give special props to grandma because the lady that played her just had the most subtly perfect facial expressions uh, <laughs> during this strip tease. It was wonderful, and I yeah. laughed very hard at her and respect her so she much. Wasn't, was she not knitting at the same yeah, time? Yeah, she was like knitting, but she had this like smile on her face where she's yeah. like, mm, I got a like this <laughs> but while they're giving this performance uh i forget a bobby a bobby, a bobby stops by a bobby stops a police by, officer sees this is like oi you can't be doing that no because this is an Look abandoned, at those ladies this is a uh, abandoned warehouse this is an abandoned warehouse they are trespassing on property that is not theirs but lomper and guy managed to escape they get the fuck out of there however gaz and horse and gerald Damn. don't don't uh, uh right are quite so lucky and they get arrested meanwhile Lompert and Guy, they get out, they run away, they climb up into some house. I don't know if it's Guy's house. Or it's his mom's house. Or Lompert's house, it might, right. It's Lompert's house. It's either Lompert's mom's house or it's like where he lives with his mom. I so, feel like he lives with his mom. He does live with his yeah, mom. Okay. Because it, because when he comes back after the suicide attempt, it's shown him walking her yes, up the stairs. Right, and, right. Oh, right. Yes. Yes, okay. Um, so they get into Lompert's house and they stand up and they're both mostly naked except for this tiny little leather thong they get on and they start staring into each other's eyes and they have a moment. And then it cuts away. And then it cuts away. But we know, Brendan, what that moment means. They got it all. Or they might want to. Oh, baby. There's some there's some chicanery going on here. <laughs> but that's but that's cool. Yeah. That's, you know, it's the nineties, man. Everything's cool. Ninety seven, man. That's Everyone's right. gay. Uh yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so they escape, they get they have their moment, uh, but so, meanwhile, Gaz is at the police station. They're getting booked through and dealing with that. And they've got the kid, thankfully, with a social worker, because it was about fucking time. And unfortunately, Somebody took an interest in this case. It was unfortunately at this point where he is basically told, you're not allowed to be around this kid anymore. 
Yeah, he's not allowed to be around the kid anymore. Which it's like, how did it take so long? But it happened. I still kind of feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this this incident makes it into the news because as we remember, as if you have any any knowledge of Britain, you'll know that the tabloid media there is fucking nuts, and they will seize on anything that is a story. And I mean, it's Sheffield. It's like, Sheffield. It's, it's Nothing not like exciting happens in Sheffield. It's not like New York City. You know. What I mean? Apologies to anybody who's from Sheffield that happens to be listening to this, but I bet your city is boring. Now, I gotta say before we move on, I have to let it known. I love the shots of Sheffield in this movie. Yeah. Not that this movie's like a visual powerhouse or anything, but the but the shots of that town and the way the hills are and everything, like it oh, really, could... really is nice to me. It has I a really very it. it has a very we shot on location, here's yeah. our proof kind of yeah. look to it. It's definitely like showing off the town of Sheffield. Because how many how many other movies has, has Sheffield been in that haven't been like like you know, like some old ass fucking like medieval England movie? Yeah, or a movie about like drug drug abuse or yeah, something. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just nice to see that that nice town and and to the folks of Sheffield, your town is beautiful. Please send me a plane ticket to come visit you. Yes, um, you can sign up to the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Send us uh, send us enough money so that we can come and at do a live t- podcast in Sheffield about the, the Full Monty. At the two thousand dollar level, we will come right. to Sheffield. We will come to you and do a personal show. Yes. Uh, let's see. So so they get arrested, charged with indecent exposure. But uh, and I assume contributing to delinquency of a minor. Uh, I don't know. Did, are the charges dropped, or was just this? We just forget about this. I think, I think they kind of figured out what was actually going on, yeah. and the kids just basically returned to his mother, and then the guys are kind of let go. But they they do have a scene where they're criticizing their dance because there's security tape, so they're watching the security tape and criticizing each other's dance moves, which is pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, they are sent back at this point, and this is where uh, they kind of gain a level of fame. Yeah, they, they they gain some fame. They because this is in the paper, this is a big story. It gets out there. People are starting to talk about it. But this is also the point in the movie where all the tragedy happens at once. Yeah. So so Gaz loses custody of his son for the time being. He's not uh, allowed to see him. Gerald uh, slash Tom Wilkinson, uh, basically his wife finds out because everything's getting repossessed. The repossessors show up the house. They're just tossing his shit out yep. and she figures out what's going on. Well, he has to tell her, but she yeah. figures something's going on. Uh, and then and then um, Lomper's mother dies. Lomper's now, mother Lomper's dies. mother, to be fair, we've only seen her once, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it was just established like, oh, he has a mother and he lives with her and he's gay. So we don't know he's gay though until that moment. Well, that's true. We don't really know he's gay to that moment, uh, but that moment is pretty clear. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Gaz goes to see Dave, his old friend Dave, at the ASDA because he needs a coat, and he thinks his friend, the security guard Dave, will just give him a coat. Yeah. Turns out Dave does not only give him the coat, but grabs his own coat and just quits. And by quitting, I mean they both run out the door like they stole stuff, which they did. Which they did. Form of coats. Yes. Uh, and they head to the funeral. They're there. It's it's a very nice service. Um, and Gaz and Dave are standing by the car, having a bit of a jaw, and they oh. look over near the grave. I have a... Uh, are you talking about this moment where they notice... Uh, where they Lomper? notice what's going on with Lomper. Okay, I do have this clip here. All right, so let's listen to the clip, and you guys, you guys tell us. They bloody are, you know. They're all the hands. They're never. Straight up. I never even know hands with really lasses, me. Maybe I should. Ah, who did bloody thought it, eh? Ah, well, there's no as queer as folk. There's <laughs> <laughs> no as queer as folk. <laughs> Shut up, Dave. It's supposed to be a bloody funeral. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so what I want to say about that before we go any further is, like, I think that's, like, the term queer as folk, 
Is it, is, it's like an old slang term, isn't it? Yeah, it's normally, weird. it's normally applied like, well, you know, people do weird things. Yeah. And the show Queer as Folk, there was yeah. a show Queer as Folk, yes, with gay was. people, uh, because it was a play on those words. So I don't think this is really that bad in terms no, of like, I, I, and, and they very much say like, well, eh, people are weird yeah. and people, people do unexpected things and they, they're, they don't, they don't. Uh, there's no like gay panic jokes. Yeah. There's no like, well, he's not a friend anymore. Like, it's just it's brushed off. Yeah, no, they they, they they do make a few gay jokes throughout the movie, but it, I mean, I'd have to ask a gay person to be sure. But I mean, as far <laughs> as I can tell, like, it didn't seem to be anything particularly offensive. It's just these guys are, you know, it's the '90s, and, and they're okay with it. They're just, they're, you know, and those characters are not treated differently. No, like, no yeah, no, L- Lomper and guys' uh, status in that in that situation does not change. No, not at all. Um, so we see that. Uh, so we, uh, after the funeral, we find we the boys realize that the arrest has made them famous. I mean, they got front page news, and you know, uh, they've sold all the liquor for the bar. Yeah, they they, they sold all the liquor for the bar. They sold at the bar, but they don't know that initially. And they they see that they're famous, and they're like, "Fuck this, we're out." And they all agree we're gonna bail on this. But then. Gaz goes to the bar owner or, or happens to run into the he bar owner. He just drives by him. He drives by him and he like flags him down. And he's like, I've sold out the whole damn bar. Yeah. You can't uh, bail. You can't bail on this. We got so much money uh, on the line. So, yeah. Uh, uh, now Dave- we have various scenes of Gaz trying to get Gerald and Dave back on board. Mm-hmm. You know, they... they I wrote they sabotaged Gerald's, Gerald's job interview. Did they sabotage another job interview? Or am I just... No. Did I misread a that's, summary? That's the first one. Okay. Did I misread a summary? I, I'm Jason. I didn't watch this film. I did watch the movie, I assure you. <laughs> I'm just joking. But I, I smoke a lot of weed, Brendan. And that can affect my memory. What? What? It's legal here. Fuck you. Don't judge me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and Dave... We, we are podcasting from Uruguay. D- Dave's not on here. <laughs> <laughs> our, our hidden bunker in Uruguay. Uh, Dave, Dave is not in initially. But, Dave's not here, man. But all it takes is some kind wife, kind words from his wife, kind wives from his words, kind words from his wife to, to help restore his confidence and think like, yes, I can expose myself on stage to a room full of people. Uh, so then the big show. Everybody's there. It's, it's the big show. The big show. Everybody's there. Even the big show. Yes. Uh, somewhere <laughs> in the Paul background. White we don't see him, but he's there. Paul in White spirit. is in the audience. Everybody's on board, but Gaz, uh, before the show, looks out on the crowd and sees that, oh, lordy, lordy, there's some men out there. And on this poster, it specifically said, women only. He, now, yeah, and this is the thing where he's like, I I don't think it's like a thing where he's like, oh, I don't want to like people, I don't want guys looking at me. I think it's a thing where he's like, I'll be embarrassed in front of my fellow men. Yes. Like, because I'll be making a mockery of... Cause he, he, as he well says, as his son, who is there in the strip club for the strip show, who is 10. At least, at least, he's backstage this time. Yeah, well, he, well, not initially. Isn't he out front no, initially? No, because no, they sneak him in the back. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> at, the, at the very least. At the very least, yeah. So, but but Nathan Nathan is there, and 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 Gaz doesn't want to do it, but Nathan convinces his father to go get naked on stage because it's for the good of their relationship, I guess. Yes, he wants to make the money so he can hang out with his well, dad. Well, he's like Gaz, you've been do- you've been working so hard on this, like it's busy. It's, you've been this is the only this is one of the few things you've like focused on and done right. And then he slaps him around a bit because he's like, I want my fucking money. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, that was a different movie. Never mind. <laughs> that was Family Guy, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But 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 Gaz is like fuck it I'm in, and so they're they've already started dancing on stage and yep. Gaz like runs on stage and joins them, and the ladies cheer. Uh, you can leave I, your hat on. That's a that's a place you would want to scotch guard all the all the furniture. 
because uh, you don't want any any stains. Um, and and they they do their dance, which is great. And then what was the song? Uh, you can leave your hat on, whatever the hell. Yeah, like they, they can leave their hats on, which is ironic because they don't. Uh, I, they leave their hats on for a while. They have the hats over the dicks. Yeah. And then they remove the the hats. Well, they leave their hats on their dicks. Well, well no, but then they, they remove them at the end. Well, they can leave their hats on, but I mean, they, they choose could. not to. They choose not to. Absolutely. <laughs> so we, we have the dance. Let's not argue semantics. <laughs> and the movie closes, uh, where we have them doing their dance. They've got the hats over their dicks, and then we have a shot from behind, and they throw their hats away or lift their hats up or something. Full Monty. And full Monty, and everybody goes fucking nuts. And then there's freeze frame, fade out, credits, Oscar nomination. Full Monty. So that was the full Monty. That was the full, full Monty. I want to give a little bit of background on this movie. Please do. Uh, so originally, this there was a company named Channel 4 Films that paid for the full Monty screenplay. But then after they paid for the screenplay, they declined to invest any money into the movie. Ah. So it was like, yeah, thanks for the screenplay, and now we're done here. That's that's a difficult way to make money. They uh, The producers went to Fox Searchlight, who picked it up for U.S. distribution after it did very well at Cannes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they almost, well, here's the thing. They almost released, uh, straight to video Hmm. and Robert Carlyle actually talks about this years later in an interview. And this is kind of what he said about, about that. You'll notice he, uh, anyway, let's play this little clip here for you. But it's interesting. You mentioned the full Monty. So the, you know, talking about, you don't know something's a hit when you're in it. You really didn't see hit written on full Monty. I thought it was all the fucking pish to do. <laughs> it was a tough shoot. Full Monty was a tough shoot. It really, really was. Everybody sees it. They've all heard this, so. Uh, oh, don't mind doing it again. <laughs> How horrible was it? Horrible, horrible. Uh, I tell you, it was so horrible that when the uh, the people. Fox Searchlight, who'd made it, um, they saw the first cut of this thing and they went straight to video. That's oh. what they said. So there you go. Robert Carlyle thought it was going to be a piece of shit. Yeah. It was weird. It, 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 I love the idea of, like, this movie could have gone straight to video and instead it, it got nominated for, you know, Best Picture. Like, right? that's crazy. Isn't that insane? Yeah. So they basically... Um, there's more to that interview. Uh, there's a little bit more to that interview. I don't want to play the whole thing. Mm. Basically, Robert Carlyle went into how they had someone recut the movie so it would be better than just being a straight-to-video yeah. film. Uh, because apparently the first cut was not good. The first cut is the deepest, as Sheryl Crow would say. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> this film comes out right around the time of two other huge British blockbusters, which we will also get to at some point on this list. They're on the list. Ooh. Um, I mean, ar- around the time, I mean, like, within a couple of years. So we had Four Weddings and a Funeral in 1994. Uh, Train Spotting was 1996. So while one of those deals with the upper class, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Train Spotting definitely deals with lower class. This movie uh, helped people relate to a lot more because it was very, like, working class, middle mm-hmm. class. And I think that's a big part of why it made so much money. This yeah. movie made, like, $300 million in the U.S. It yeah. was insane. It cost, like, $3 million to make. Yeah. Um, did really well. Yes. It did very... Like I said, it did very well... Oh, sorry, not Cannes. It did very well at Sundance. Okay. Uh, so what they did next... So when they had ex- extremely positive screenings at Sundance, they did something that was kind of amazing. They did a number of free screenings mm. before this movie even comes out directed at female audiences. <laughs> so, female-only screenings. Um, nice, nice. 
They also had a major ad campaign, like I said, to kind of establish what the full Monty, quote-unquote, meant. I was 13. 13? Yeah, I was 13 or 14 when this movie came out. And the fact that I, as the 13, 14-year-old boy, was aware of this movie to the point where I actually even rented it and watched it at some point was, yeah. That was an impressive testament to their marketing. Um, the f- we, didn't, we didn't mention it because we just ran through the plot. There's a lot of plot, by the way. Mm. Uh, more than you think in a 91-minute movie. But... The short film that opens the movie, the Sheffield documentary, the Welcome oh, to yeah, Sheffield, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Set of, it's a real documentary. Oh, really? It's a real tourist uh, tourist documentary uh, made in the 70s. It's in the real movie is called City on the Move. Mm-hmm. It was pretty obscure. Like this little piece of footage was not known at all. Uh, made by these uh, this couple uh, named Jim and, Jim and Mary Louise Coltard. And they were offered 400, uh, well, I mean, $820 in U.S. dollars currently. Mm. So whatever that was at the time. Just for the snippet of that film. Hmm. So they didn't make a whole lot of them off a little piece of film that was made in a very iconic they movie. They should have asked for points. Remember, kids, if you license something to a movie, ask for points. However... On the gross. Not the net. The gross. The benefit to those filmmakers is that this little film snippet becomes popularized by the full Monty, of course. It is renamed the real Monty, R-E-E-L. <laughs> and it gets its own DVD release. Wait, a... a... But it's the full thing. Like, it's not like, just well, the five-minute clip. Like a promotional video for Sheffield from the 70s? That's <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. Um, here's another little weird little thing about the full Monty, okay? It was adapted into a musical. Wow. And a play. The musical has been running for 15 years. Wow. Something like that. It's still running. It's doing quite well. However, the play ran for only a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite positive reviews. I just think that's crazy. The musical, 15 years It's because the, play, the, the there was no dancing in the play. It was all just very Shakespearean. <laughs> uh, I guess. A lot like, of I monologues. Just, it, it's, it's crazy. Um, but you know what, Jason... Forget all that. All right, fuck we, it. It's out the window. We need to we need to deep dive into this movie. Yeah, into the full Monty. And the first thing I want to mention, I want to talk about. This is an overarching thing of the whole movie. This movie flips the gender stereotypes. Mm-hmm. This is a movie about guys who are insecure, mm-hmm. vulnerable, yeah. afraid of being vulnerable, mm-hmm. and they're they're they object. They, they, I mean, they objectify women. They do it in the opening scene. Yeah, but it's done in a way that's like satirical. Where you kind of get the joke. Like, yeah. the movie is aware that they're objectifying. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like getting a hard look at, like, their insecurities. It kind of points out, like, what is a reality, like, on the opposite side in everyday life. Yeah. Like, there's a scene where this one walks by and they're like, oh, she's an 8, she's a 9, maybe even a 10. And then seconds later, they're, like, pointing at these male strippers being like, oh, look at them, they're making a mockery of us. They're like, clearly gay. Yeah, they're clearly <laughs> gay. Like, they're making us look bad, that kind of thing. In fact, all the female characters in this movie are pretty well put together. Yeah, it's 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 a. I don't want to say it's a flip, as in like oh, all females are flighty and yeah. like whatever. I'm just saying it's a flip on the stereotypes yeah. in movies. The the ex the ex wife uh, comes off as a little bit of a bitch, but not really when you think about it. Like she's not being crazy. I mean her. Her new boyfriend, I feel like they picked from central casting, is give us the weediest stepfather that we could find and put him in the movie. And he's got all that weird red hair and he's he's bad British teeth. and um, He just looks like a real dick. I feel like understandably pissed yeah. off, though. Like the, no, the, no, the, no the absolutely. Absolutely. Like, um, 
<laughs> the, uh, the also I want to say like the city on the move thing I just mentioned earlier. It's kind of interesting. They throw it's. I know it's a real piece of footage, but there's a little bit of foreshadowing. They mentioned like the nightclub life. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go into that world a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to the insecurities thing, I mean, we get we get this movie does a really good job of like giving us that without over explaining it. Like mm. we get even the scene, even the early on, we talked about how they're stuck they're stuck standing on a car in that canal. Yeah, and they're trying to get across with the seal beam. Seconds later, you see that they. You know, they obviously had to get across, but Gaz is bone dry. Yeah. And uh, Dave is soaking wet. And his clothes are soaking wet. Because, I didn't even notice that. Well, because Gaz didn't... Gaz took off his clothes. Yeah. And swam across. Dave is so is even more insecure about his own body. He just went in with his clothes. Yeah. And it, they didn't even explain that. They wow. All they showed was him being... His clothes are wet and him being bone dry. Like, that's... That's, that's impressive. That's way... Like, I just didn't notice that. So good on you, Full Monty. That's really cool. I'm giving you a thumbs up. You notice they use the word poof a lot? I think we <laughs> talked about that earlier. I did write that down. Yeah. Um, it's almost like an American... I, I said, imagine if an American film just used the other F word, like, liberally. It would be the same... Not really, but... <sighs> I, I, I always think of Monty Python, speaking of, of Monty's, when, yeah. uh, when I hear poof, because I think of the Australian sketch where he goes, Roll number one! Now poofs! <laughs> Um, but I always feel like whenever someone says that word, it's either a character we're supposed to hate, mm-hmm. or it's used in a way that they're like the movie is telling you it's not a good word. Like it's it's just like it's aware. Yeah. I always feel like I'm watching a British movie in general. I don't know why it is, but I always feel like the movie is more aware than I'm watching an American movie. And it's not to say one's better than the other, but it's just a different sensibility. The the, the British have a certain a certain self awareness and cynicism that comes from being uh, a dead empire that uh, Americans don't have yet, but they will, I assure you. (laughs) Coming soon! Coming soon. Um, And then more of the, more of the gender, like, flip, because you get that scene, so we talk about early in the movie where Gaz and Dave and Nathan, his uh, Gaz's son, go into, they sneak into the, uh, the strip club when it's women only night, because he want because Dave is like, why is my, why is my wife in there? Like, I want to know what's going on. (laughs) So, Gaz, uh, Gaz ends up hiding in the woman's wa- or the men's washroom actually, yeah. because he's just, like these women are women are coming in, and one of them is Dave's wife, and they're having a very like boys club conversation. Yeah. Don't you find like it's mm. very like oh absolutely. I would not be surprised to see a movie where the guys are talking this way because they're yeah. like oh I don't know what's wrong with her. She's all different lately. Like she doesn't look at me the same way. It's like uh, I I couldn't cheat on him any even if I want. I couldn't cheat on him even if I wanted to. I'd love to take a one run at one of those strippers though. Oh boy. Yeah, and even even so much that. Yeah. One of the women somehow manages to pee against the wall. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, she does a full on, a full on standing pee. That's such like a bro thing to do. Yeah. You know, what I mean? uh, one thing I find interesting, and I love, I love it because it's exactly what would happen. I imagine in real life, is that Gaz sends Nathan. He says, "Go out and find your, find your mother." Uh, uh, and he sends him out, and, and Nathan immediately walks over to the nearest table where there's the dregs of a beer remaining, and starts to down it. Yes, <laughs> it's ten. To he immediately year old boy. doesn't even doesn't give a shit about what his dad told him to do. He just sees the beer and is like, "Fuck this, I'm drinking it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Also, so um, I want to play a clip here. Uh, so they're they're basically they go to job club. Yeah, and basically it's a it's like a job bank where yeah. you go and you you know you're looking through the computer for jobs and you apply and put your resume off if you need to. Yeah, there's kind of a guy there to kind of help you through it, um, and they're all like pretty dead end jobs, like yeah. nothing nothing too appetizing. 
Um, but they, they kind of come up with this whole stripper idea. And this is a... Tom Wilkinson kind of has something to say about it. I just think this is a funny scene, but there's also there's like a little more to it as well. So let's play this clip. Hang on, then. Why were all them women in working men's club in first place, eh? Now then. Possibly was. Men. But you call them Chippendales men. Degrading, that's what it were. How many lasses were there, though? Thousands. Baying for blood. Ten quid and all to watch some puff get his kit off. Ten quid. Right. Times ten quid by a thousand, right? And you've got... Yeah, well, a lot. A very lot. Hey, now, Dave, I mean, uh, it's worth a thought, though, isn't it? Oh, I just see little and large prancing around Sheffield with the widgers hanging out. Now, that would be worth ten quid. Don't be so bloody daft. We were just saying, Widgers you know. on parade, bring your own microscope. I don't see why the chuff not, Gerald. Because you're fat and he's thin and you're both ugly. <laughs> I mean, for some reason that clip is censored, but he says he's fat, you're thin, you're both fucking ugly. Uh, which I, I love that they. I love that this takes place in Yorkshire because they all sound like Sean Bean, and it's wonderful. <laughs> it also, um, it's again another scene where they're pointing out like their masculinity is being threatened by these Chippendales dancers yeah. who are very obviously very comfortable with their bodies. It's almost like, um, well, that culminates in the fight, doesn't it? That they have like a physical altercation over that. Is that's in the job bank right early yes. on? Yeah. So they they've got to show off their manliness by having a fight. Exactly, and it's like they almost feel like they're being attacked. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like it's almost like when you. I mean, I'm not saying this is. The, I mean, there are many reasons why females feel like being a stripper is a degrading thing, um, but a lot of times it's it. One of the reasons is that I. I, I mean, I think is that um, it's a confidence thing where yeah. it's kind. You're kind of like. I mean, like even for me, like I see somebody like you see somebody being ogled. You're like, oh well, shit, whatever. Like you know, it, they're they're clearly clearly very confident, and it's kind of it's kind of. Um, what? It's one thing to be—it's a different. It's one thing to be ogled in public. It's kind of jealousy people, in a way. But but it when you're doing it on stage on your own terms, yeah, that's like uh, that's a power thing. That's a powerful thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, in, in a confidence builder and a confidence projector. It's it's yeah. It's like it's kind of a jealousy thing where you're like, oh, I wish I was that confident. Yeah. I'm going to attack them now for yeah. being so confident. You know, I'm not again. Again, I'm not saying that's always the case. I'm just saying it's one of the things. And it's another thing that just reminded me. Of the whole, thing. it's it's those people that want to be strippers. They attack the hardest. It's it's very much. We live in a world of me th- thinks the lady doth protest too much. And, and can we talk about the the kid seeing way too much for his age? Because yeah, we did yeah. talk about it a little bit. But yeah, this this entire movie is like a, a, a it's a, it's like a child social worker's dream case. Like they could put this guy to the fucking screws because he's he's corrupting his child at every turn. Well. Yeah, I mean, like, the kid, like, first of all, he's helping him steal stuff, which is, like, yeah, right, right away. number like, one. Yeah, number one, which is, like, you're, like, okay, I get it. They're not, like, great people, whatever. But then the second one, he's there for the stripper auditions, sees a man take out his cock. Yeah. Like, full on. Um, Doesn't bat an eye. No, he sees his dad practice stripping. And then, of course, he's at the strip club at the end of the movie. When his dad is practicing stripping, uh, when he starts to strip and he has the cigarette in his mouth and he goes to take his shirt off and then he gets, like, a cigarette caught in the shirt and everything, I laugh so hard. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great. And I love that all the guys that end up being strippers, except for except for Guy, yeah. um, are not classically handsome people at all. 
I, okay, so I, li- I also really like the generation differences in this movie. So you mm-hmm. get you get the most of the guys are, are pretty young, yeah. except for like Horse, but he doesn't yeah. like he doesn't have a whole. Lot. I think he's the one character they don't really tell you a whole lot about him. Yeah. I mean, he has something later where he kind of has. Like, we see it, his family, but that's about it. That's like the one deep thing they dive they do on him. Well, you do get something later where he has impotency issues yeah. because he's calling about a penis pump that's not working. Oh right, and he's like, <laughs> and they're like, "What do you mean it's not working?" He's like, "What do you think I mean? It's not fucking working. Nothing's getting bigger." <laughs> like what? El- what other way? Hey, what a penis yeah. bump now we work but so we get a little bit of that but he's the only he's the only like older character that you get a lot of depth on and it's because like we said um he's not telling his wife the full story about the layoffs mm. and there's a pretty emotional scene when they 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 cost him the job like they cost him the job interview and he blows up saying like you know it's different from you you're just kids i have a family like mm. i have not a family but i have like a wife and like uh, a house to maintain i've and got he, social commitments i've got dance class he lets her and he lets her spend extravagantly yeah. because he doesn't want to pretend that he's been laid off which is another ins- like a very insecure uh thing and that's, I, that's a very old school thing too the idea that the wife is this crazy spender yeah and the husband is is put upon and trying to keep her you know keep her happy that way but I also think they don't make her like a stereotypically no. crazy spender either. Like she's a she's a loving wife. And you don't. See she it. likes to be happy. You don't see it, but do you do you think they get back together? Is she at the strip club at the very end of the movie? Oh, I have to imagine. I don't remember because but... you definitely don't see them getting back together. But you know what? Anyway, you know what's, I'm I'm just gonna play my favorite scene in the All whole right. movie. So Let's do it. okay, here we go. So they they um, uh, Dave steals a copy of Flashdance from the video from the ASDA or whatever, where he ends up working later. Yeah. Uh, because they want to practice, uh, they want to practice dancing, and what better way to study than the American classic flash dance? That's so here right. they are watching and kind of criticizing uh, the film. I didn't go on the Nicky Nasdaq for some chuffing women's DIY video. Flash dance, Dave. She's a welder, isn't she? A welder. Well, I hope she dances better than she welds. I mean, look at that. A mix is all to cock. Shut up, Dave. What the fuck do you know about welding, anyway? More than some chuffing woman. <laughs> I love that. More he's, than some chuffing woman. He's just cr- criticizing her welding. Flash <laughs> dance. Oh, oh my. Br- British, British humor. So, did you expect the uh, the relationship between Lomper and Guy like that? Could no. completely out of left field. No, it did. It did as far as I could tell. I mean, if there was foreshadowing of that, I didn't notice it. I mean, other than the fact that Lompert is a kind of an awkward guy that lives at home with his mom, like that's like like just bare bottom gay stereotype. But beyond that, yeah, it didn't really enter into my head. Um, and I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get to see more than the two scenes: the scene of them having a look with each other, and then the scene of them briefly holding hands at the funeral. Like that seemed to be the only real reference to their relationship. Now it's good on one hand because in the sense that you know. They're just people in a relationship. So just because they're gay doesn't mean we have to focus on it. Mm. But at the same time, it felt like it kind of got the, and if you'll forgive me, the shaft in this uh, uh, film. Yes. (laughs) Boom! I'm I'm happy and angry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it's it's a double-edged sword. It's like, it's a good thing because it's not made into like... This is a comedy, but it's not like a completely goofy comedy yeah no this is an airplane it has like it has messages it has important uh yeah you know it has important themes um yeah and it's it's sort of shoved into the background this whole relationship but it's also sort of good because it's also sort of like 
Yeah, it's not a big deal. They're gay. Yeah, whatever. If they're gay, it doesn't have to become the focus of, of everybody's uh, attention. And we heard the clip later. They just made a couple little jokes and moved on. Yeah. Like, that's that's all it yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was never really discussed again because they're just like, okay, that's how it is. Great. Um, I still would have liked one more scene, maybe, of them, like, just re- just establishing just that. Just fucking. Be, yeah, just hardcore, just Brokeback Mountain style going for it. Yeah. Just, Cowboy hats and everything. Just fucking. Just, Playing a lot of Red one, Dead. Just one scene rated uh, NC-17, and I'm just going to town on each other. Okay, fucking quit you, can I? Well, actually, okay. So I, I will say that I, I did watch this movie twice. Yeah. For the for the podcast, I um, watched it once. Um, I watched every movie twice, even Doctor Zhivago. You nut job. Um, but the one thing I wanted to note is I did kind of notice a little bit of foreshadowing. I don't know if it was actually foreshadowing, but when they're in um, Tom Wilkinson or Gerald's house and they're all getting naked in front of each other to like get used to the idea. Um, he does. Guy makes a remark about uh, Lomper's uh, saggy tits. Says, <laughs> even though clearly that's not the case. Yeah, the Lomper's pretty skinny. Yeah, but he says, "Oh, we got saggy tits," and he kind of like not winks, but kind of gives him like a knowing smile. Yeah. So there's a little bit there, and then there's also like um, a little bit later on, they're kind of like kind of buddy buddy mm. in one quick like little montage, but it's not a lot. And yeah. I feel like it may have been a late addition. Yeah. Um, why I don't why though I don't know I maybe just to include another aspect I feel like this movie wants to include many different things it does absolutely as a way of like include like including everyone and maybe that's another reason why it did so well that, that's exactly it and that was my theory is that this, part of the reason why this movie did so well is because is it is a funny movie but it's not again it's not airplane it's not this isn't a laugh out loud back to front just laugh riot the whole time mm-hmm. It's got these issues in it, and and it's got these things that I think your average, like middle class, lower class audience member can relate to, and and I think that is a lot to do with the success that people saw themselves in this movie. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about the. Um, I want to talk about the movie. So after this whole thing happens, where they do their little like dance rehearsal and they get busted yeah uh, the movie takes on a much more like I mean I guess there's things that ha- there's bad things that happen like obviously loses his, his wife uh, stuff gets repossessed Gaz loses his kid etc etc but the movie gets a little warmer hmm. like I feel I feel this movie okay by the way I just want to say we've covered all the movies we've done before this very cold yeah. this movie is warm yeah. I, this, I, I feel this movie is giving me a, <laughs> giving me a warm hug that's right because like uh, especially at three quarters of the way through this movie because uh, we get this so we get these scenes where people are starting to recognize them in public mm. and they're making fun of them but they're almost making fun of them like lovingly like mm. they're just like hey like we even get this really I actually think this is a really beautiful scene um, where Lomper uh, his, his mother has died obviously yeah. and he's in a band he plays the trumpet that little little brass instrument yeah that's uh, so yeah the trumpet trumpet yeah. so he plays the trumpet in a band and you see him as like one of his uh one of his like uh rehearsals with the band and they start playing you know <laughs> just to cheer him up yeah. though it's not even like a mocking thing yeah. and the smile he gets on his face is just like it's such a nice yeah. scene um and it almost cracked me i almost Almost got a little little, little glint, oh, little glint in my eye. There is a f- scene after this that did that, that did accomplish. That's amazing. It. You haven't cried in twenty two years. That's right. It's <laughs> a fucking lie. <laughs> I cried when I watched the Heat. Oh no. <laughs> so it, it sometimes it just happens, man. I always cry after the shootout. Oh wait, you mean the Heat, not Heat. No, not oh, heat. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Pacino's such a good actor. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy in Heat. 
That'd be great. Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock meeting in that scene, like, but like, but like it's <laughs> De Niro same. and fucking Pacino. But it's like the same writing. Yeah, exact same scene. <laughs> You're an angry old man. <laughs> um. Also, can I point out? Yes. Mark Addy has what must be the most '90s hair in this movie, like just the really close curls, and then that, and then that is like offset by the the earring in his ear too. Like he just. He looks so 90s, and I think of this, because, you know, when I heard that he'd been cast on Game of Thrones, my immediate thought was, really, the guy from The Full Monty is being cast as Robert Baratheon? But he's super 90s in this movie. Well, my question is, what does he still look like that now? Uh, he's still bigger he's, guy? He's, yeah, he's older and fatter, but, you know, he's still kind of that look. Um, he was also in A Knight's Tale, I'd forgotten, with Heath Ledger. But we're not talking about a nice no, tale. not a nice tale. That's that's that is on the list. But, but we'll talk to it. <laughs> it is not. Oh, it is never mind. Not on the list. <laughs> it is an enjoyable movie, but it is not on the list. Damn it! Um, Stupid British people. <laughs> it is on the list. It's coming up. It's got British people in it. It should be on the list. Yeah, Rufus Sewell is making it happen. That's right. I think he's in that movie. Ah, uh, why not? Sure. So I want to talk about the scene that did actually break me. Okay. Okay. So. As we talked about Dave, Mark Addy, he's uh, he's very insecure. Mm-hmm. And we, you saw that we say the listen, we say the word insecure a lot, but it's true. It's true. That is a main crux of this movie. We both are very insecure, and I'm I'm motioning to both of us right now. So imagine that I'm waving my hand around because I am. Yeah, we're both very insecure. So we see that in the movie, and, and it's and, and you know it's, for your benefit, we are both naked right now, completely. Yeah, we we, we thought this is the way to do this. You know? Exactly, we, we're doing our own full Monty for you, the listeners. So think about that real hard. <laughs> Audio. I know we are nudity. Hey. hey! It's weird that it actually made that noise. I know, I know. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck. So, what are we even doing here, brother? So, so Dave slash Mark Addy. Yeah. Um. So he goes home one night. Is towards the end of the movie, and this is like he's decided he's not going to strip with them at this point at the final show. And his wife finds the uh, the like little underwear that he was going to wear for the strip show, and she thinks he's cheating on. Yeah. Um, which it's like. So refreshing that this movie didn't have a scene where she thinks she's cheating on him. She leaves him. He has mm. to explain. He gets other people to figure to, to explain to her. It's wrapped up in this scene, which I fucking love. Yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't turn into some Preston Sturges '30s fucking screwball comedy uh, uh, of misunderstanding, and they're going into different rooms, oh, well, and there's we, different it, phone calls, and and we didn't get like the breakup and makeup thing. No, exactly. It was all like concise in one scene. But what got me was. He says, like, well, we were going to... He explains, like, listen, he's like, we were going to stri- like we were gonna be strippers. He's like, we weren't that bad, but, you know, obviously I can't do it. And she's like, well, why not? And she says, like, I want to see you do it. Like, you know, you're, 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 not, you're not gross or ugly. And I'm just like, oh, my God. It's a, it's a powerful scene. Yeah. And it's like, their relationship is so beautiful because, like, you never... Like, she goes to that strip club early on, but you never get the sense that she wants to cheat on him. No. He even, he kind of thinks that she's going to cheat on him with some, like, juggler or something yeah. at one point. You're like, <laughs> you know, just watching the movie and knowing these characters, yeah. that's not going to happen. No. And you know, he's not going to do anything either, even though he's like, he ogles woman every now and then goes, oh, she's an eight. Like, you know, he's... he's oh, not, we all take a look once in a while, Brendan. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's not, he's and he's also not confident enough to do something like that. Just because you got the cow at home don't mean you can't drive by the milk store once in a while and take a whiff. <laughs> so, anyway... That makes sense? No, not at all. So she ultimately gets him to do the dance. Yes. And I just think that was a really beautiful scene. Um, and then the other, other thing, I mean, if you have anything else to say, definitely about about the movie, chime mm-hmm. in at any moment. But I just want to, I have one last thing. 
and that's just the backstage uh, before they go out for their final dance. It's very like, uh, I can't go on. Oh, I can't go on. It'll be so... It'll be, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's very like diva-ish. <laughs> yeah. um, and Tom Wilkinson does have a thing for nature programs, which I just wanted to mention real quick. He loves <laughs> Apparently him. he gets boners during nature yeah. programs. That's a very like under-the-rug joke, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, anything else you want to add to that? Uh, two couple things I want to mention. One, I thought it was super dark when they're like laying on the ground talking about how they'd go about killing themselves after they just saved him from killing himself. Oh, Lomper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. like sitting on the hill and he's like, Oh, I'd do this or I'd do that, you know. He's like he's like, I'd I'd get my mates to run me over, and Lomper's like, I got a I I don't have any mates. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. The army mate now yeah. and then and then that that's another moment of just like oh my god he has a friend yeah we just saved your life you mean we aren't mates like that's right yeah. um there was one other thing i wanted to mention too where did it go uh, oh yeah you can fucking smoke everywhere yeah it's amazing like i'm i'm a smoker and I, I hate myself for doing it but god damn it the idea that i could just smoke in a job center even though he says you're not supposed to smoke there the fact that they can do it and get away with it it's fucking awesome there is a lot of smoking in this movie yeah. in general. Well, like, I mean, that's the thing. England, I think England was always a little bit slower on the uptake of the anti-smoking stuff just because yeah. pubs were such a big deal. And, you know, a cigarette and a beer, I mean, it's, it's such a combination. And God damn it, kids, if you haven't tried it, don't. <laughs> but if you do smoke, have a beer with it. It's great. Gaz and Dave, like, are pretty much... They're just chimney smoking. Chain smoking, yeah. yeah. Chain smoking in the movie. It's uh, great. And the kid. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I assume they're smoking John Player's Gold Leaf. Uh, that's a great British brand of cigarettes. Sure. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say about this movie before we get into kind of the critique? Of this uh, you know what? Like, This isn't a movie, like I said, this isn't a, a laugh out loud riot. I didn't laugh like I wa- did watching Airplane, for instance. But Airplane's not a British movie, so we don't need to talk about it. But, uh, but it's the heart of this movie that I think makes it what it is. Um, it just really comes through. You can relate to these characters and you have a good laugh while you're doing it. And it also, it's cute. And what I mean is in the sense that it's a movie about strippers that you can take your grandma to. It's and cheeky. she's going to go, oh, it, that movie was so cute. It's cheeky. It's very cheeky. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it, it's very innocent. Yeah. It's almost, I mean, there are some important subjects uh, kind of talked about and explained and delved into, but it is very... Yeah, it's very innocent. They they lightly address those heavier subjects in a way that it's like almost like that's... I feel like that helped propel it toward the Oscar because it yeah. makes it that much more than just a comedy about a bunch of dudes stripping. Like, it's got just that, that much more, and I think the Academy voters probably saw that uh, and, and noted that as they cast their votes for this film to be nominated. Okay, well, let's talk about... So, several critics noticed this. I mean, I noted this. I mean, we talked about it already, but this movie... Uh, for a movie about men stripping for money in 1990s Sheffield, this movie also covers unemployment, mm-hmm. father's rights, yep. depression, mm-hmm. impotence, homosexuality, body image, working class culture, and suicide. That's a lot so, of shit crammed into a comedy. That's a lot of shit crammed into a 91 minute comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this movie, like I said, was a huge success. So the budget, so the budget was like 3.5 million, grossed over 250 million worldwide. God damn, that's that's like. That's superhero numbers. It was the highest grossing film in the UK until Titanic. Wow. So, Which was that same year. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't for a long time, but it did break the record. Yeah. Uh, so Oscar. It went, at the Academy Awards, this film made it still made it to the Academy Awards. So it was nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and it won Best Original Score. Really? Now, yes. So I do have a... I am wondering about this because this is a controversial winner. Yeah. Because original score 
is eliminating any of the pop songs in this movie, of which there are a lot. Yeah. Um, I'd say most of the music in this movie is from pop songs. Uh, but, I mean, it, it won for Best Original Score. Uh, composer Anne Dudley explained that her score was made with different instruments coming together. So she used different instruments for each of the six characters whenever okay. they were on screen. Um, I guess it's like it's subtle, but it's there. Like the score is never something. It's something I never picked up on. No, and I I went back after the fact and listened to the main the, the full Monty quote unquote that that particular piece of score, and it just sounded like a real you know it's it's in the beginning of the movie. It's like a real fun jazzy kind of piece of, of music, but it didn't yeah it didn't occur to me that she went that deep on it. Yeah, like it's a weird Oscar for them to have won. Let me yeah. do that again. Not that it's like a bad thing that they won, but it it was it was sort of controversial hmm. at the time. Like I said, because people were like. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess. Mean, especially so. in a year where Titanic was probably also nominated for that award. As if they didn't win enough. But Yeah, I, I mean, they didn't need another Oscar. No. <laughs> <laughs> so now, one last thing I wanted to mention is I read something, and it was just for this podcast, I, didn't know, I did not know this beforehand. But there's a couple of New Zealand playwrights, um, Anthony McCartan and Stephen Sinclair. They filed a lawsuit against the producers of the Full Monty in 1998 for £180 million pounds. They claimed that the film uh, infringed on their play entitled Ladies' Night, which toured both Britain and New Zealand. Uh, they created a website containing their play because there was, there was statements from the producers of the Full Monty that basically said, no, 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 the, the Full Monty's got nothing to do with Ladies' yeah. Night. They're not even similar. Um, so they basically put up a website and uh, put up chunks of their play to kind of show that, yeah, it's a lot of similarities, and I like I haven't seen this, so I'm not. I'm just talking from what it says. Yeah. Um. So the underlying rights were attributed to co-producer Paul Buckner. The lawsuit was settled out of court, and as part of the agreement, the website containing Ladies' Night and the the little play uh, outtakes or whatever was uh, shut down. Wow. So that's interesting. Um, hmm. they had to shut down that website with the play. So I mean. I don't know. They maybe they had a case. Uh, maybe that's why it was settled. Maybe that's why, as part of the settlement, they had to shut it down. They said Todd Wilkinson to beat the fuck out of them. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking law. Boom, boom, boom. That's not a Yorkshire accent at all, you, but you get the idea. You're fat. You're thin, and you're too fucking ugly. You're both fucking ugly. <laughs> yeah. So that was just an interesting thing. I was like, I don't mean to bring this whole thing down a little bit, but you know, it may it may have some merit to that. But then but again, I, you could make it argue that, that any movie about strippers is going to have common elements, especially if they're male strippers. It's exactly. I, it's like I it's like every it. movie about cars is essentially the same, right? Yeah, cars because there's there's cars, there's cars two, cars, there's car three. Listen, cars is just a ripoff of Gone in sixty seconds, and we all That's know that. Right, a ripoff specifically of the Nicolas Cage remake. Yeah, it's not the original. Mm, Angelina Jolie was hot in that movie, but she's hot in most movies she's in. Did you guys ever see Hackers? Oh fuck. All right, Jason is uh, just going to recover here. Is Hackers on this list? (laughs) Yes, number one. Sweet. (laughs) I'm in. It is not on the list. Not on the list! Uh, (laughs) Jason, let's wrap this up here. I want to get to, like, kind of our feelings on where this movie stands. So, I just want to say, this movie is number 25 on the BFI Top 100 British Films of All Time. Very high, especially for a comedy, is the first thing I thought when I Mm -hmm. saw it in in that place. However... I'll I'll say where I stand, and then you give me, you tell me your uh, your kind of stance on this. I think it touches on a great deal of important subjects, some of which are were very integral to Sheffield in particular, where it took place. Which, and it's so heavily infused with the idea of Sheffield, like as not only a location, but almost makes Sheffield into its own character. 
Like, it's a very big part of the movie. I can't believe you fucking actually just said that. It's like the setting is its own character. But, it but you're is. right, you're it right. It is yeah. everything in this movie. Those beautiful shots of the town. They know, don't pretend like Sheffield's not a part of this no. movie. It's very much It is very forefront. integral, too. Like, that, that is part of their identity as characters, that they're from Sheffield, they're from Yorkshire. They're, they're northern English folk. They're just working class, fucking just... Oh, look at us, we're from Yorkshire. We talk like Sean Bean and Patrick Stewart. So I'm just going to say it right now. It's number 25. Technically, that would, uh, according to the list, that would place it at the highest one we've done. Mm-hmm. And I would leave it there. Yeah, I would place good? it above the other ones that we've done. Yeah. I would place it at... I don't, I don't know. I, uh, what do you I, think? I, like, I would say on my personal list so far, of the only four British movies ever made, that Zulu, I think, remains the best British movie ever made. Okay. But I would say that, that The Full Monty is the second best British movie ever made. Dr. Zhivago is the most mediocre British movie ever made. And The English Patient is the worst British movie ever made. Fair enough. Uh, so we've 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 uh, differed slightly mm. at this point, but definitely a good film, and and uh, glad it's on the list because uh, it is a it is a gem. I think it, yeah, I think it was terrific. Um, I'm I'm honestly just surprised because I remembered watching it and enjoying it, but mm. I did not think yeah. I thought we were going to come here. I thought we were going to come here today, Jason. Yeah. Talk about this film and say it was a funny comedy, but yeah. I don't understand why it's so hot. Yeah. But that's not what I'm. But but I'm, yeah, I'm not saying that though at all. Like I think it's I think it's so important. I guess, it's weird to say important, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. so like infused with British. Um, uh, not sent. Not what's the word I'm looking for? It's, like British culture, British, British social. Yeah, um, yeah. You think you think you watch the full Monty? You're like that is a British film. Yeah, absolutely, and. But, and it's it's been interesting because I saw that movie. Like I said, I saw that movie twenty years ago on VHS when it came out. I rented it. I enjoyed it at the time. I was probably fourteen years old. Um, but yeah, it's been weird. It's been interesting to go back to it and then see all these things that I I didn't fucking get the first time through at all. And then and then to have you shove a few more things at me that I didn't that even now with my stunted brain that I didn't get. So it's cool. I'm glad we got to. I'm glad we got to watch this movie. Yeah. So thumbs up. Thumbs up. Number one for me, number Don't two. Don't sue us, Roger Ebert's estate. <laughs> number one for me, number two for Jason so far. So far. On this list. To Jason. Brandon. We come to that moment in the show. It's that time. It's that heart pounding. <sighs> I'm getting the flop sweat just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, this is a scary, scary. Are, are we going to get whiskey galore or are we going to get Lawrence of Arabia? Let's find those out. Those are the only two options. The only two options. You know, if we get one of those now, people are going to think it's rigged. They're going to think it's rigged. But no, I assure you, we did not pick either of those two ahead of time. So, Jason, I will give to you this di- these dice. I'm going to shake them at the mic. You hear that? These are real dice. And I'm going to, uh, as you continue to shake those dice and not roll them yet. I'm blowing on them. Thank you. Oh, I mean the dice. Yeah, that's great. I'm <laughs> going to uh, open the list so I can quickly tell everyone what our next movie is. Now, remember, we're both completely naked at this point, and I have to remind you, it's very rude to point. Sorry. Okay. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, next week we will be covering 53. Number 53. Number 53 on the BFI list. My Left Foot, 1989. Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. Sounds heavy, but I've never seen it. That's a, he's, a, he's an invalid of some sort. Not a comedy. No. <laughs> we're going we're going off the beaten path now. Yeah, this is but this is one of those movies that, you know, I I, I feel like I I've always thought I should watch but it, it's not you know you, you don't think like hey let's have a few drinks and watch a Daniel Day-Lewis drama right so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm interested I'm interested to see how this plays out because he's a great actor and god damn it 
That's 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 the best way to end it. That's the yeah. best way to end it. He's an actor and god damn it. God damn it. So folks, we'll be back next week next week with, with this movie. My left foot. So watch it. Nineteen eighty nine, Daniel Day Lewis. But for now <clears throat> Jason. God save the Queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. So long. Semper in Tyrannus. That's not applicable. your favorite podcast to interrupt you with an ad for your new favorite podcast. Wait, wait, isn't this playing on somebody else's show? Exactly. So then how are we, I thought we were their new favorite podcast. Well, we're going to become their new favorite podcast after they hear this advertisement for our show. What's our show called, Justine? Superiority Complex. Yeah. Where can they find us, Patrick? Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, exactly. You can go to at Soup Complex on Twitter, S-O-U-P Complex, and you can go to Facebook.com. Slash soup complex, but our main page is on Podbean, and you can find us there at www.superioritycomplex.podbean.com. New episodes are out every Thursday. Justine, yes. what do we talk about on the Superiority Complex? Nerdy stuff. Perfect. Don't get all sensual with your voice. Yeah, did you hear that? I heard it. It's a little inappropriate. If you want to hear a little more of that, tune in to the Superiority Complex. One more time, Justine. What do we talk about? Nerdy stuff. Nah, wasn't the same. You tried. So I was out with this girl the other night, and she said that she hated Star Wars. Can you believe that? I could top that. My latest date told me he didn't like black and white movies. What? Do you have a movie deal breaker? Is there a film you love so much that if your significant other didn't like it, it would be Splitsville? Well, we're dating hosts, Greg and Lauren, and in our podcast, Movie Date Night, we introduce each other to our favorite movies and see if our relationship can survive. And if our partners appreciate the movies as much as we do. Find us wherever podcasts are available and follow us at Movie Date Night on Facebook or Twitter to talk movies with us.